Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 15th of February 2020. And the title of this episode is Hasbro Will Unveil Dungeons and Dragons Future. It's been a busy week of RPG news and not all of it good. So let's just dive in. The headline is about the future of Dungeons and Dragons and we'll find out what that is on the 21st of February. We know this because of Hasbro's earnings call. Hasbro, of course, own Wizards of the Coast. I'm not an investor, but I saw four brands mentioned again and again. They are Wizards of the Coast, Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, and E1. Let's talk about E1 first. That's an entertainment company that Hasbro recently bought. They make films and TV shows. I speculate, rather than bid for licenses to make toys for Disney and Warner titles, for example, Hasbro quite fancied having their own entertainment company with exclusive access to. Furthermore, Hasbro could use E1 to make their own toy line successful. Sorry to say, it's commonplace now for shows to be made purely with the intent of merchandising success. So what about Wizards of the Coast and their two champion products? It's clear that both Dungeons and & Dragons and Magic the Gathering are doing well, but can't completely hide the fact that some other areas are struggling. There's no Toys R Us of note left, for example, to sell any Hasbro's toys right now. And it's no surprise to me to see Hasbro wanting to make more direct sales. It also seems to be the case that Hasbro has been spending lots of money on both Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and & Dragons. In particular, on building digital products. Magic the Gathering is ahead of Dungeons and Dragons when it comes to the sphere. Magic already has a strong suite of computer games compatible with Twitch and potentially with esports. D&D has at least one computer game studio now, Took, and there are other games rapidly approaching, Baldur's Gate 3 for example, but none of these D&D projects has had the chance to earn money back yet. What does Hasbro plan to announce on the 21st? Well, we can only speculate. I'll be shocked if we don't hear a lot more about digital. I think Asmodee Digital has had several high-profile games out last year, and I think Hasbro will have taken note. I think they'll have looked at how strong the D&D community is online at Critical Role, and will have thought about how to make the most of that ecosystem. In July 2018, Hasbro's CEO, Brian Goldner, gave an interview with CNBC which triggered some concern in the D&D community. At first glance, it seemed to suggest that Goldner had described D&D as esports. I don't think he did. He said two different things. In one instance, he said immersive board games like these could one day be ripe for global esports competition. But I don't think the immersive board games he mentioned includes D&D. When he talked about D&D by name, he said, we're also building a suite of digital games around Dungeons and & Dragons and Magic the Gathering. Our Magic Arena product is underway in closed beta, and we've had more than a million people sign up, and we're very excited about launching that later this year. You will be able to play Dungeons & Dragons or Magic the Gathering online on a mobile device, as well as face-to-face. And so, in this follow-up to the 2019 earnings call, I think we'll hear about this suite of digital games around Dungeons & Dragons. 
I think we'll hear about more ways to play Dungeons & Dragons online on a mobile device and as well as face-to-face. I imagine Fandom, that's the company who runs D&D Beyond, will be interested too. They're not owned by Hasbro. And we're going to talk about Fandom again later in this podcast because they are not being passive and they are not waiting to find out what happens. They have their own plans. So what do you need to play D&D online? You need either a D&D computer game or you need a virtual tabletop. We know that those D&D computer games are coming, no MMOs, nothing with eSport potential unlike Magic the Gathering, but announcing a few more is entirely possible. We might even hear about Stadia, PlayStation 5 or Xbox X projects. If we hear about virtual tabletop news, then it will either be a bombshell that Hasbro is working on their own to rival Fantasy Grounds or Roll20, or news that they're planning something extra with one of those incumbents. Not only do virtual tabletops allow people to play D&D online, but they also act as marketplaces. If Hasbro wants to make more direct sales, then a shopfront like a virtual tabletop will be attractive. However, a virtual tabletop doesn't feel like something terribly close to anything that Hasbro has ever done. But there might be a compromise option. Kickstarter has seen a few projects like Gameboard One in recent months and have done well. These are flat screen devices to lay on your actual tabletop and then produce a digital map. You can even move minis around them and depending on the technology, someone on the other side of the world could be following their moves on their board. These electronic boards mean you can subscribe to board games, getting downloads for what the playing area looks like and electronic tokens. A project like this would be a big one for Hasbro, but it's a big enough company to do it, especially if they buy a startup in this space. The last bit of speculation I have for you here is whether Hasbro will announce a D&D partnership deal with someone like OBS, Stream Elements, or even Twitch and YouTube themselves. Magic the Gathering just has, with a million dollars in the Greenlight Fund, enabled with the Stream Elements partnership. But I think, in the interest of time, that we should move on to some other news from this week. Let's tackle that horrid mess that is the Judges Guild. The Judges Guild was one of the first ever RPG publishers. It was founded back in 1976 by Bob Ledshore, and then in 1999, Bob Bledshore II, his son, brought it back to life. Bledshaw 2 and his son have been sharing racist, anti-Semite and homophobic content in large quantities online. Concerned partners and friends have said they've talked to Bledsor about it and he is unrepentant. It's not a mistake. These are his views. So, as you can imagine, publishers have cut ties with the company. In most cases, this means no longer using those classic Judges Guild properties. Bat in the Attic Games, a small publisher, moved first, and it was their explanation of why they could no longer work with Bledshore that acted as the expose of the unsavoury drama that the rest of the industry noticed. Frog God Games moved quickly too. Frog God Games had worked with Judges Guild for many years, and they even tried to rescue a six years late Kickstarter that the Judges Guild had been running. Sadly, this wasn't the only racist encounter the hobby had this week. Osprey Games had to tell racists to back down. The company had published Scott Malthouse's Romance of the Perilous Lands. 
This is a game set in a magical version of Britain, complete with monsters and fae. The racists, many of whom seem to think they were Vikings, didn't like Romance of the Perilous Land because it wasn't historically accurate. To be clear, they didn't object to the monsters and magic, they objected to the fact that the game showed a person of colour on their front cover. Real Vikings, of course, would have found themselves fighting against people of colour when they raided Britain, because these islands have been a diverse place ever since the Romans arrived. For example, Hadrian's Wall passed through a village called Borough by Sands. Borough by Sands was originally a Roman garrison of African soldiers. These fighting men protected the area, and after their military term was up, most of them stayed in Britain to raise families. Osprey didn't change a single thing on their cover. It's just a shame they felt they had to say anything at all. Ah, gee. People can be so annoying at times. Let's find some good news. Let's talk about the Banffies. The Banffies are awards for the best superhero RPG of the year. And Geek Native hosted the results of the 2019 ballot. 1,500 votes were counted, making these Banffies one of the most popular in the awards' seven-year history. It was a close battle. In third place, in the people's vote, is the City of Mist Core Bundle Player's Guide and MC Toolkit from Son of Oak Game Studio. In second place, Tiny Supers from Gallant Knight Games. The winner only just qualified, just getting their game to market before the end of 2019. And the winner of the People's Choice for the 2019 Banffies are Hit the Streets, Defend the Block from Orc Lord Games. As it happens, an old superhero role-playing game has made even bigger news this week. That game is DC Heroes. You can't really buy DC Heroes as it's out of print. Allow me some more speculation and let me illustrate the one exception. Over Christmas, the Watchmen companion book was published in the wake of the TV show. That companion had Watchmen RPG material in it, and that was a game powered by DC Heroes. It seems pretty clear to me why DC might be toying with the idea of resurrecting an old RPG line if it has juicy legacy content like official Watchmen. The DC Hero news comes from us from DC Universe, that's DC's streaming platform, and they're about to start airing an actual play of DC Heroes. The show was called DC Universe All-Star Games, and it features celebrities like Freddie Prince Jr., the wrestler Xavier Woods, Claire Grant, and others. The game will be set in the 80s, and they'll all be playing teenagers stuck on detention. I think the odds of a DC Heroes reprint are dropping. Also this week, Free League Publishing announced Free League Workshop. This is a program that will allow you to write and sell content for many of Free League settings, but not the Aliens RPG, via one bookshelf and keep some of the money. In other words, if you have a Tales from the Loop adventure, you can get it published and sold via Drive-Thru RPG. You won't be sued by Free League, and you might even find that they help promote your adventure. I imagine the Aliens RPG exclusion is all down to licensing. The other third-party publishing deal that was re-announced this week is the Cortex Creator Studio. In a way, this is old news. The Cortex Prime project was always supposed to have a third-party marketplace option like this, but it's hardly been front of mind, given the Kickstarter to deliver the books is about two years late. What makes the re-announcement of the Cortex Creator Studio especially interesting is that one bookshelf will no longer be used. 
Cortex's new owners, unlike pretty much every other RPG publisher out there today, don't need their help. They can do it themselves. Who are Cortex's owners? A company called Fandom. Yes, that's the same fandom that run D&D Beyond. So, our introductory story about Hasbro making a big D&D announcement on the 21st is now connected to our last story in the podcast. Almost out of the blue, but between Hasbro saying they have news coming and before they've made it, Fandom has reminded gamers that they have their own RPG system and are building a marketplace of third-party products around it. Yes, I know. I'm speculating again, and I've admitted previously that that's a dangerous thing to do. I can't help it, though. It's all too interesting to ignore. I look forward, with interest, to discovering what Haspel's plans are and how the community will react. And on that note, let's wrap for this week and catch up again next week. <laughs>